House Republicans have officially kicked Ilhan Omar off the Foreign Affairs Committee and fellow squad member AOC is not happy about it. As also as a fellow New Yorker, I think one of the things that we should talk about here is also one of the disgusting legacies after 9-11 has been the targeting and racism against Muslim Americans throughout the United States of America. And this is an extension of that legacy. Consistency, there is nothing consistent with the Republican Party's continued attack except for the racism and incitement of violence against women of color in this body. I had a member of the Republican caucus threaten my life and you all and the Republican Republican caucus rewarded him with one of the most prestigious committee assignments in this Congress. Don't tell me this is about consistency. Don't tell me that this is about an abdi- a condemnation of anti-Semitic remarks when you have a member of the Republican caucus who, have, who has talked about Jewish space lasers and an, an entire amount of tropes and also elevated her to some of the highest committee assignments in this body. This is about targeting women of color in the, in the United States of America. Don't tell me because I didn't get a single apology when my life was threatened. Thank you. Okay. AOC went on a rant there about herself, as she always does. But let's get back to the first part, since we're here to talk about Ilhan Omar. AOC's argument is that Ilhan Omar is the victim of Islamophobia, which AOC cites as one of the worst legacies of 9-11. One of the worst legacies? Like you, you think about 9-11 and you're, you're trying to identify the worst thing about 9-11 and the answer you come up with is Islamophobia. AOC actually just performed a Norm McDonald bit on the floor of the House of Representatives. I can't say my friend's name, but he said his biggest fear is... <laughs> that ISIS or some uh, terrorist group like that would get a hold of a dirty bomb and explode it over a major city within the United States Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. kill tens of millions of people. Because then the blowback against innocent Muslims would be absolutely terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's right. That's true. Okay, let's do some jokes. (laughs) That's it. That would be the worst part of it, would be the blowback. The worst thing imaginable, Islamophobia. But Islamophobia, whatever that means, is not why Ilhan Omar was removed from the Foreign Affairs Committee. She was removed because of the things that she has said and done to prove that we can't trust her with matters of foreign policy and national security. Good job, House Republicans. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Elberg Galarga, who says, Michael, myocarditis could definitely be from eggs. I saw the prices today and almost had a heart attack. You make a good point. You're, it's probably worse than myocarditis from the eggs. It's just a full-on at-the-grocery-store heart attack when people are paying $9 for a dozen eggs. It's crazy. Sweet little Elisa actually texts and calls me sometimes from the grocery store to tell me how crazy the prices are. And when you want to text and call your friends, you got to check out Pure Talk. Right now, go to puretalk.com, use promo code Knowles. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies that hate your guts, then you're crazy. 
You should do business with companies that share what you believe in. That's why you got to check out Pure Talk. Pure Talk is the antidote to woke wireless companies. It is proudly veteran-owned. It employs a U.S.-based customer service team. It refuses to spend money on fake news networks. Not to mention, Pure Talk service is fantastic. One of the largest networks in the country. You get blazing fast data, talk, and text for as low as 30 bucks a month. Probably half of what you're paying at Verizon, ATT, and T-Mobile. Switch over to Pure Talk in as little as 10 minutes while keeping your phone and your phone number. Your first month is guaranteed risk-free. Try it. If you're not completely happy with the service, you will get your money back. This year, make it a goal to support companies that support you. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to save 50% off your first month. That is puretalk.com, promo code K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. The House Republicans were threatening to do it. Now they've done it. Ilhan Omar is off the Foreign Affairs Committee. Here's Kevin McCarthy explaining the reasoning. Now, when it comes to Congresswoman Omar, based upon what she had said, the anti-Semitic comments, it's all about the Benjamins. The the military in America is equal to Hamas and the Taliban. On 9-11, something happened that day. Even the former Democratic chair of the committee believed her comments were wrong. When a um, resolution was brought up to deal with this last time, she never apologized. They changed the resolution to say anti-Semitism is wrong. We're not removing her from other committees. We just do not believe when it comes to foreign affairs, especially the responsibility of that position around the world with the comments that you make. She shouldn't serve there. But this is what the clear, this, if it was tit for tat, we would have picked people, took them off all committees and said nothing about it. We don't believe in that. All right, that's the argument. Now, the first reason that Kevin McCarthy cites for booting Ilhan Omar off the Foreign Affairs Committee is her anti-Semitism. And anti-Semitism, very, very bad. I, I don't know if Ilhan Omar hates the Jews or not. She very well might hate the Jews. But that would not be the primary reason to kick somebody off the Foreign Affairs Committee. And the reason for that is, if not liking the Jews is the threshold now for kicking people off congressional committees, there are probably some more people who would have to be kicked off of committees, certainly in the Democratic Party, certainly among the squad. I think that would probably take people out. If, if not liking Israel it were, were the bar, there would be a lot more people who would have to be removed from their congressional committees, especially we're talking about Israel, very controversial facet of foreign policy for the last century. But let's zoom out a little bit. Let's take the Jews out of it for a second. If racial or religious resentment were the new threshold for kicking people off congressional committees, you, you'd have to lose probably half the Democrat party. How many Democrat members of Congress have openly expressed antipathy for white people, said that whiteness is a bad thing, we need fewer white people in, in public life, we, we need less about white people taught in schools? Half the part, more than half the party? What about antipathy toward Christians? Half the party, more than half the party, expressing a, a desire to, to minimize the role of Christianity in American public life, America, a country founded on Christianity. That bar, sorry to say, is probably too low for removing someone from a congressional committee. Racial or religious resentment. You'd, you'd probably lose most of the people on your committees, at least roughly half of them. No, the, the reason, the primary reason that 
Ilhan Omar should not serve on the Foreign Affairs Committee is not because of what she said about one racial group or about one religious group. It's because of what she said about America and the enemies who have explicitly attacked America. CARE was founded after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did something and that all of us were starting to lose access to our civil liberties. The thing that was interesting in the class was every time the, the, the professor said Al-Qaeda, he sort of like his shoulders yeah. went up and, you know. Yeah, he's in command like, here. Al-Qaeda, you know, hospital. He's an expert. And it, was, <laughs> and it was, you know, as What's his it, name? As, what are putting oh, his name on the not, We, we what are does not he saying his name. But it is, it is that you don't say America with an yeah. intensity. You yeah. don't say England with yeah. an intensity. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't say um, the army with an intensity. Qaeda. <laughs> But you say these these names because you you want that that word to carry weight. <laughs> Al Qaeda, tee oh tee hee Osama bin Laden, ha ha ha, and it's so crazy, right? I mean, we say Al Qaeda like it's big and scary, but we don't say the same thing about America or the army. So she's saying that that if we view Al Qaeda with any more uh, antipathy or fear than we would view the United States and the American military, then that's just sort of silly. We should be giggling about that. That's so crazy. That's why she should be removed from the committees, because she giggles at and seems to side with America's enemies who have attacked America. If we broaden this out too much and we say, well, if you make a comment about this racial group or this religious group or this other nation, then that disbars you from, from serving on a congressional committee. Then that gives an opening to the Democrats. It gives an opening to AOC to say, well, Marjorie Taylor Greene allegedly said something about Jewish space lasers. I've, by the way, I've never heard this comment. I've never seen this comment. I see it frequently cited by the left, but I've, I've never heard Marjorie Taylor Greene say anything that makes me think she hates the Jews. But the, the, the libs will use that. They'll say, well, look at this person. Look, he's expressed a kind of antipathy toward this racial group or that religious group or this, that, or the other thing. It's, it's too low. It's very clear. It doesn't need to be this, this highly emotional decision with AOC screaming her head off and gesticulating like a madwoman to, to remove Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar has made light of the worst terror attack in American history. Ilhan Omar has taken the side of America's enemies openly the enemies specifically involved in that terror attack. And she obviously has no business on the Foreign Affairs Committee. Kevin McCarthy cites those comments as well. He cites them a little later down the line, which I think is what gives an opening to the Democrats to criticize this decision. This is an obvious decision. Obviously, this woman should have absolutely nothing to do with American national security or American foreign policy. She was elected by her constituents, so I guess she should continue to serve in Congress. She can even serve on some of the other committees. But get that lady away from foreign policy and national security, especially now as, as we're in probably the most fraught, dangerous period for national security and foreign policy. Certainly in 20 years, maybe in a lot longer than that, maybe since the Cold War, as you see aggression from Russia that threatens to destabilize Europe, as you're seeing aggression from China, which is now sending spy balloons over the continental United States. Time to reduce the threats to American national security, including in the U.S. Congress, all right? I want to be able to rest easy at night. One great way to rest easy at night, you got to check out Pajamagram. Right now, go to pajamagram.com, use promo code NUDE. 
This Valentine's Day, give her the gift of silky, naturally nude pajamas available exclusively at Pajamagram. Even more alluring than lingerie, the texture and touch of these pajamas are so soft that you'll both love the feel of them. If you have no idea what to get your girlfriend or wife for Valentine's Day, trust me, she wants these pajamas. Go to pajamagram.com right now and use code NUDE to save 25% off your order of naturally nude pajamas. Pajamagram will even wrap the whole gift up for free. Listen here, if you missed out on this offer during Christmas, especially because they sell out sometimes, do not make the same mistake twice. Give her naturally nude pajamas, but you need to order today. Last year they sold out before Valentine's Day. They always do. Order them now. Pajamagram.com. Use code NUDE. N-U-D-E for 25% off. Don't forget to tell them that I sent you. Speaking of vacating positions, Tom Brady has retired again. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first, so I uh, won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me. My family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. Love you all. Now, a year after I retired and then came back, I'm retiring again. Uh, I don't have any uh, particular care that Tom Brady is retiring again. I'm not a New England Patriots fan. I'm a New Yorker by birth and upbringing. I don't watch football. I don't even know what team uh, Tom Brady currently plays for or did play for before he retired. My interest in this story goes back much further than Tom Brady's football career. Goes back, way back to ancient days. Goes back to a man you might have heard of, a fella by the name of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Now, Hezekiah, king of Judah, you can read about him in the Bible, was a very good ruler of Judah. He was a very successful king and One day, the prophet Isaiah comes to him and he says, hey, you're going to die. You're sick and you're going to die and your time has come. And Hezekiah says, oh man, I don't want to die. Isaiah, come on, I want to get, can I, give me some more years. Come on, talk to God, get me some more years. And Isaiah comes back and he says, hey, you've been granted a reprieve. God is giving you another 15 years. And Hezekiah says, oh man, that's great. And what happens? Hezekiah destroys his legacy. In that 15-year period, Hezekiah welcomes the Babylonians to come in, check out his kingdom, check out all of his stuff. If they had had spy balloons during that day, the Babylonians would have been sending that over, although I guess they didn't need to because Hezekiah just invited them in and gives them a huge uh, upper hand in what would come later, which is the Babylonians just conquering the kingdom. In that 15-year period of time, Hezekiah, king of Judah, has a son, His son is Manasseh. Manasseh is a very terrible king who tears down all the great stuff that Hezekiah had done. 
And Hezekiah sees that this is going to happen. And Isaiah says, you know, man, things are going to go really south. You, you were supposed to die, but then, you know, you got this little reprieve and you're going to destroy everything. And what does Hezekiah say? He says, well, is this going to happen in my lifetime? And Isaiah says, no, no, it's going to happen after you're dead. And Hezekiah says, oh, okay. All right. Never mind. <laughs> well, in that case, I get another 15 years. It's pretty nice, right? Was it worth it? I don't think so. And by the whole scope of salvation history, you know, it all, all comes to a purpose ultimately. Uh, but in the moment, certainly wasn't good for Judah, certainly wasn't good for Hezekiah's legacy, certainly wasn't good, certainly wasn't good for Tom Brady. A, a real important reminder, know your time. <laughs> know when things are over. Tom Brady could have retired a year ago. He would have gone out as the almost universally beloved greatest football player of all time with a super hot wife that people generally liked and a nice family, and he could have rode off into the sunset. Instead, he decided to unretire. This has been broadly cited as the reason why his wife divorced him and uh, lost him a lot of favor among the fans. And for what? To get one more year, and then he says, okay, I'm out. Was it worth it to just ring out another few months of playing football? Probably not. Was it worth it, Hezekiah, just to ring out another 15 measly years on earth? You destroy the kingdom of Judah? I don't think so. Now, I, I, mentioned, I mentioned those uh, hostile foreign powers coming in and spying around on, on kingdoms. This is a story that just broke last night. The, the Chinese have apparently sent a spy balloon over the continental United States. My first reaction is, is this 1952? Are we, we're still sending spy balloons? Don't we have more advanced technology than that? Don't the Chinese, the Chinese are very advanced. They stole all of our tech. Surely, surely the Chinese have more advanced tech than this. Apparently not. So there's this spy balloon, and it's, it's uh, going over here. And the uh, foreign affairs spokesman for the Chinese, whose name is Mao, <laughs> not a good sign also, Mao Ning, Mao says, I want to stress that before it becomes clear what happened, any deliberate speculation or hyping up will not help. The Chinese side is gathering the facts and uh, hopes all sides will handle this matter in a cool headed manner. Uh, we act in accordance with international law, says Ming, or says Mao Ning. I kind of push those two together. Says Mao Ning. We have no intention to violate any other country's sovereignty and bearing the facts, we hope relevant parties would handle the matter in a clear-headed way. Yeah, okay. Yeah, China, famous for acting in accordance with international law. <laughs> China, which starting the moment we let them into the World Trade Organization, starts violating all the trade rules, steals all of our technology, artificially subsidizes steel and aluminum, artificially manipulates its currency, just does everything it can to violate international law. To say nothing of what it does to various population groups within China and just all the heinous things that the regime inflicts on its people. Yeah, we act in accordance with international law. So what is the Biden administration doing? Well, the Biden administration, I was, I was wondering, I said, okay, well, what does this balloon look like? And we don't know exactly because it's still flying overhead. What? They said they're monitoring the situation. They are, they've got eyes on it. They're monitoring the spy balloon. Are you kidding me? Are you, 
Is this the depth of weakness that the United States has sunk to? That we see a spy balloon flying over the continental United States. We know it's from our most threatening geopolitical foe, China. And we just let it keep flying. We don't shoot this thing down. What are we spending all this money on in the U.S. military? All that defense spending that we get every year, we can't even shoot down a stupid balloon? Good grief, man. You know, back in the 50s, when the U.S. was sending spy planes over the Soviet Union, when there was a, a far greater risk of a nuclear war than you have right now between America and the United States, or you know, America and China, rather, what, what did the Soviet Union do? They shot the plane down. The plane, which wasn't just a random balloon, the plane that had a pilot in it. And the U.S. denied, oh, no, we don't have any spy planes over the Soviet Union. And then they shoot down the plane and we say, okay, all right, I guess we did. And now we're so afraid of upsetting China that we'll let the, we will allow them to send a spy balloon over the U.S.? Good grief. The reason we're doing it, of course, is because China sort of owns us at this point. They own a ton of our debt. They own our entire pr- production line. They own our supply chain. They, if they cut us off, if we're a little too aggressive with China, well, then, then we're, we're screwed. This is what happens. For a long time, you heard people on, among the liberal free trader types, especially Joe Biden. He was really clear about this. He said, oh, we need to bring China into the international community. We need to trade with them. A rising tide lifts all ships. It's really good. Rising China is good for everybody. You know what? Let's, let's give them all of our manufacturing. Yeah, I know. That'll hurt small town Americans. That'll hurt blue collar Americans. But that doesn't matter because now we'll get cheap junk from China. And that'll be really, really great for everybody. And there's no downside to total free trade and offshoring and outsourcing. There's no downside at all because GDP might tick up a little bit. This is what you heard from the free traders, not just in the Democrat Party, in the Republican Party too. And there were some people some of those less fashionable figures who said, actually, maybe we need some manufacturing in the U.S. Actually, maybe it's not good to outsource our entire manufacturing base. Actually, maybe tariffs wouldn't be the worst idea. Actually, maybe we should counter China's rise. And these people were laughed at as rubes, economically illiterate, stupid idiots. And now, now what situation are we in? We're in a situation where China calls the shots because he who pays the piper calls the tune. GDP is not everything. Free trade is not universally good at all times in every way. And actually, it might serve the purposes of national security, might serve our national political flourishing for us to be able to make some things ourselves and not be totally owned and operated by our enemies. You know, Jeremy's Razors is offering a great deal that ends tonight at midnight. 40% off all razors. Why the discount? I'm glad you asked. A year ago, when Joe Biden tried to force a vaccine mandate upon private employers and some 85 million Americans, the Daily Wire told him where to stick it. We sued the federal government and we won. After a 6-3 ruling in our favor at the Supreme Court, the mandate was dead. Together, we kicked the government's derriere. So, on the first anniversary of this tremendous victory for all Americans, the Daily Wire CEO and God King Jeremy Boring has issued a special decree on the razors that bear his name, 40% off all razors. That means that you can get a Precision 5 razor with flip-back trimmer, shave cream, post-shave balm, extra blades, and a handy travel case for just $35.99. That's a savings of $24. Very, very good deal. The Biden administration and its awful cronies were cut down. Now we rejoice 
by slurping up their leftist tears. We enjoy our freedom and we look damn good doing it. Now is your last chance to get 40% off all Jeremy's Razors by going to jeremysrazors.com today. jeremysrazors.com. This weekend, by the way, yes or no, the internet's greatest interview show and game is back with special guest Michael Malice. I am certain that you're all very excited to watch me sit down with a fellow Michael. You know, sharing a first name is not quite like being family, but you can bring the fun home to your family with Yes or No, the game. It's available now for pre-order at dailywire.com shop. It's sold out instantly last year. Now's your chance to pre-order a copy. Uh, this is going to sell out as well. Uh, I, we've ordered thousands more copies. It's selling very, very fast. It is filmed, filled with harmful, conspiracy-like content. All the sorts of things YouTube won't like. Yes or no tests your knowledge of those closest to you. Do you really know your friends and family? Where do they land on core issues? Like, is virtue more important than our shallow understanding of freedom? Get to the bottom of it all, including your glass. With yes or no, the game, head on over to dailywire.com shop to secure yours today. Speaking of national rulers, the GOP every year, well, both parties every year, give a response to the State of the Union. The party in power has the president giving the State of the Union before Congress. And then the opposition party airs a response on TV, and it's a terrible job. It's a terrible job, and it's, it's much smaller, and it doesn't look nearly as cool, and it pretty much dooms the political career of whoever gives it. Which is why I'm really sorry to see that Sarah Sanders is giving the response this year. Because I really like Sarah Sanders. I think she's a tremendous politician. I think her head and her heart are in the right place. I think she could be a great national leader. She already is. She's the governor of Arkansas. And uh, so I wish her the best of luck. I, I think she's just terrific. But oh, it's too bad. I really like, I hope the curse does not hold this year. I'm sure she'll do a great job. I'm sure she'll do as, as good a job as you possibly can at the State of the Union response, but not a great gig. Now, it gets even worse. Because the GOP is not only giving the usual response to the State of the Union, the GOP is giving two responses. They're giving one from Sarah Sanders that will be in English, then they're giving another response in Spanish. This is from the House GOP. It's from, from uh, this, this guy, what's his name? Juan Siscomani, he's a congressman. He is going to deliver the Spanish response. He and his family immigrated to the U.S. He loves America. He hates wokeness. And so he's going to talk about how important it is to vote for Republicans. En Español. I have nothing against Juan Siscomani. I don't know Juan Siscomani. He's got six kids and is a Republican, so seems like a great guy. I bet he's terrific. This is a terrible idea terrible idea. What the hell are we conserving? We can't even conserve the language that we all speak, the most basic aspect of our political culture. It's the most, that's the most basic aspect. We, we are a self-government. We're a republic. The way a republic governs itself is by speaking to one another and by debating and persuading one another. It, almost nothing unifies us in the United States. We in the early days, were broadly unified by race, broadly unified by religion, broadly unified by the experience of the revolution, broadly unified even by bonds of family. I mean, the fact that the pilgrims, when they came over, there were so few of them and many of them died in that first winter, 
if you, if you trace back people who are of the lineage of the Mayflower, usually they'll have not one Mayflower ancestor, but, but many, because they all married each other. And they, so everybody was kind of a cousin with one another. Well, that's gone. That's gone. And that's, that's been fallen away for a very long time in American history. And you've also had mass migration, which has complicated this. So, okay, you no longer are unified by family, by race. In recent decades, you're no longer unified by religion. You've had huge waves of non-Christian migrants. And, and Christianity among the native population has declined as well. So you're not unified by that. People are not unified even by the national symbol anymore, the American flag. Half the country protests the American flag. So the most basic thing you could be unified by is the language that you speak. But we can't even speak to each other anymore. And it's not the Democrats. The Democrats aren't issuing a Spanish State of the Union. They're not going to have some Spanish official go up and here's the Spanish version of Biden's speech. No, it's us. It's the Republicans. It's so pathetic. For what? For what? To, to pander to people who will be, they can turn on SAP, okay? They can, they can read the speech if they want in Spanish. That You could dub it over, whatever Sarah Sanders has to say. But no, we're the ones doing it. We're going we're gonna to outwoke the woke. We're so clever. Oh, Democrats, they're the real anti-immigration advocates. <laughs> Democrats are the real Hispanic phobes. Give me a break. It's so pathetic. So, so pathetic. Speaking of live streaming, this story I meant to get to yesterday. I'm glad we have time to get to it today. You probably did not read this story. It's a weird one. A Twitch streamer. So, uh, you know, we don't put our show out on Twitch. I'm not young and hip and cool enough for that. But Twitch is where all the cool hip youths go to play video games and just stream and have kind of parasocial relationships. A Twitch streamer was just caught viewing a kind of porn of some of his friends who are also Twitch streamers. That's weird enough. I mean, just getting caught looking at porn is embarrassing enough. Then getting caught looking at porn of your friends, very, very embarrassing. Then getting caught looking at porn of your friends that, that was generated by artificial intelligence, probably the creepiest, weirdest, most embarrassing of all. A guy who, uh, he goes by the name Atrioc, he posted this very tearful apology video because he got caught. He, he was streaming his phone or his computer and it zoomed out and it showed he had some tabs open and the tabs had this weird porn up. And it was deep fake porn of a couple of other streamers whose names I won't say so that some of you naughty people in the audience don't go look it up. But it, it is a, it's a kind of porn where I guess you, you plug in totally wholesome pictures and videos of these people. And then the computer, it's not just that the computer grafts it onto some other naked lady's body. It generates a model of the person. And then the AI engineer, you can tell what a Luddite I am, by the way, I'm talking about this. But the the AI engineer can then manipulate the body to engage in whatever depraved acts the, the guy wants it to. On top of that, there was an announcement this week that another AI company has just made huge leaps in AI voice. So you can plug in audio of a, a person talking, pl- plug in a clip from this show, and then you can a- analyze the voice, create a model of it, type in a prompt, and then make the voice say whatever you want the voice to say. So now you can totally mimic somebody's voice and, and capture it, totally mimic somebody's body and capture it, and by the time they, they perfect the sex robots, I think the human race is going to go extinct. 
That's it, right? Because, because then you will have had the perfection of antisocial behavior. All of this, but especially the, the AI porn of it all, is the most antisocial innovation since the radio. It just gives you an opportunity to feel like you're having a social interaction without really doing so. Previously, for most of human history, if you wanted to have a social interaction, you had to talk to people. Then in the 20th century, you could just kind of turn on the radio and you could hear people, but you still weren't interacting with them. Then TV is more immersive, then the internet's more immersive. But now, if you have a crush on a girl, in the old days, in the really old days, you'd write love poetry about the girl. Even if you didn't, didn't know her that well, I, I always go back to Dante. Dante saw this girl Beatrice twice and he writes all this love poetry about her and she's his great muse right? And it's really elevating and lifts his spirits up all the way to heaven. Now, if you have a crush on a girl, you don't even need to ever meet the girl. You don't even need to ever talk to the girl. You can just take a video and an audio clip of her, plug it into the computer and make her do whatever you want. So deeply antisocial. And it's, it's not exactly new. It's just the acceleration of a trend that is further isolating all of us from one another. Even as we're packed more closely together in cities, cities are growing by leaps and bounds. Within the next 10 to 20 years, you will have the majority of people in the world living in cities, whether they want to or not. That's just how the trend lines are moving. And yet we know each other so much less. We interact with each other so much less. We can now create a simulacrum of being as intimate with somebody as two bodies can be, never meet the person in our lives. Now, I want to be intimate with you, not like the creepy Twitch people, but in the mailbag. This mailbag is sponsored by Pure Talk. Go to puretalk.com today, select a plan, enter code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to get 50% off your first month. Take it away with the first voice mailbag question. Hi, Michael. Arun here with a question ideally suited to the author of Speechless Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available for purchase everywhere. Um, I am a member of a conservative online community consisting of like-minded individuals, mostly Daily Wire subscribers. We recently had a new member who very quickly espoused Nazi ideology, and I don't simply mean that I happen to disagree with this person on some finer points of politics. I mean this person actually denies the Holocaust. He thinks that far fewer than six million Jews died. He thinks uh, that, uh, that their deaths was a good thing uh, and that Jews control Western civilization to its detriment. Uh, now, he was banned for these comments, but being friends with the owner of this community, I asked that he be reinstated. And it wasn't because I in any way sympathize with his views. I, I abhor such beliefs. But I was concerned that if we excise him from our community, he will find a new community consisting of truly violent, despicable people who will indoctrinate him fully into Nazi ideology. And frankly, I would rather he be exposed to the Michael Knowles show than to such individuals. Uh, I'm curious, do you think I made the right decision? Uh, how would you act if you were in my place? As always, I would appreciate your wisdom. Thank you. Arun, as usual, you are correct. I think. I think you are correct. You know that I am no free speech absolutist. I do not believe that Nazis have any right to espouse their views. I'm, I'm with Bill Buckley, who said in the 60s that he's an epistemological optimist who doesn't believe that there's any reason to protect Nazis or communists in the public square. There's no pressing reason to throw them into prison, but there's no uh, protection to keep them out of prison exactly either. Uh, but as a prudential matter, I think you're right especially on this question. Because you're seeing the uh, antipathy toward the Jews 
bubbling up a little bit more than usual even right now. And I mean, Ilhan Omar just got kicked off a congressional committee because of it. And so I, I think it is important not to silo people who hold those views even further. I, I think your reasoning is absolutely right. Uh, there are many good reasons not to like the Nazis. <laughs> their, their antipathy toward the Jews is certainly one of them. Uh, but many, many others too. The Nazis were into weird occult rituals. The Nazis were avowed enemies of the church. Uh, pope Pius XII, wonderful pope, viewed the church as the victim of, of the Nazis, even before the Second World War. <laughs> and so, so uh, there are there are many reasons to oppose that kind of an ideology. It's a very modern ideology that uh, comes out of all sorts of terrible views. I mean, this is true. Fascism is different from Nazism, but people forget with fascism as well. Fascism comes out of socialism, and actually Benito Mussolini, who is the figurehead of fascism, who's probably the most most important figure in all of fascism, he was a socialist intellectual for for much of his formative years. And so it's just I think it's important to answer these kinds of questions. And uh, if you can do so in a level-headed way and say, hey, here's why it's not good to be a Nazi. Here's all the bad things the Nazis did and why you shouldn't admire them. And you don't get totally, you know, ecstatic about it. And you don't become like AOC flailing your arms around. You just answer in a very reasonable way. I think that that is going to do a lot to get people off the wrong track that they are on. Whereas, as you say, if if the moment that anyone utters any kind of... Uh, Nazi-esque kind of uh, intimation or question, no matter how ill-formed or bizarre the person is, if the moment that happens, they're instantly ostracized from all of society, they're going to take that as, as confirmation that their intuitions were correct. And as you say, they're going to find themselves in, in more and more uh, sordid communities. You know, they'll be in that, that hive of villainy in, in uh, Star Wars. And so I, I totally agree with you. I think, uh, especially as a prudential matter on this question, yeah, hear people out, answer their questions, knock down the, the bad points that they have to make. Next question. Hey, Michael. I just had a question concerning one of my really close friends. Recently, she came out as lesbian. And I know in the past you said that, you know, guys and girls can't be best friends because there's probably going to be feelings there, uh, which I completely understand. But is it the same with my really close girlfriend? If technically she is attracted to me because she is a lesbian. Um, love your show. And thanks for all you do. Well, I think you flatter yourself. Are you sure that your friend is attracted to you? Specifically? Maybe she is. You sound like a very lovely, attractive person, so maybe she is. But I don't think it's quite as big a deal. One, because homosexual attraction is a kind of an odd thing. And this is especially true for female-to-female same-sex attraction. There are all sorts of reasons behind it. It's it's, uh, quite unclear uh, how these things develop, and it doesn't track the same way that two guys who are attracted to each other tracks, and certainly doesn't track the same way that normal sexual relations track. So I, I wouldn't worry about it too much, especially that you are not a lesbian, and so you are not going to be attracted to her. One of the reasons that single men and, and single women struggle to be platonic friends is because there is a natural attraction one to another uh, that, that is going to come up. 
or even a married woman and a single man, or a married man and a single woman. It's, there's going to be a natural kind of attraction that is mutual that, that bubbles up. Here, I, I don't think. I, I don't think that's true. Especially, look, I'm from New York. I went to the gayest university in the world. I lived in Los Angeles and am friends with a lot of people in show business. A disproportionate number of my friends are of the homosexual inclination, okay? But I'm, I've never said, well, I can't be friends with you because you might be attracted to me. Because one, I'm, I am not attracted to that person, so it's not a, not a problem for me. And I, I just don't, I don't think those, the, the moment that your friend, for instance, says, I'm a lesbian now, she's going to, you know, pounce on you or throw you on a bed. I don't, I don't think that's really the way it works. So I, I think you're okay. You, you should be much more cautious about, about being close friends with a married man, <laughs> you know, going out and having dinner with him than with your uh, lesbian friend. Next question. What's up, Michael? Second time calling in. Love your show. Anyways, um, I am Christian now. I had kind of gone away from the church, and I'm back, and now I'm really getting in and reading the Bible and looking at theology at a more deep level. And something that I've come across in the Bible a lot is I didn't really realize how much Jesus talks about hell. I mean, he says he's going to separate the good fish from the bad fish, and he says, wide is the road of destruction, and narrow is the gate to eternal life. And there's all these people out there on the internet freaking out about everybody going to hell. But then there's also people who say everybody's going to be saved. And not that you know who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved, but do you think going to hell is something we should all be freaking out about all the time, all be worried about, and it should be our number one priority stopping that? I guess it should be our number one priority to stop that, but should we worry about it all the time? Yes. Though in, in the kind of flip way of what you're talking about, your concern all the time should be uh, knowing God, loving him, serving him in this life, and enjoying him forever in heaven. That should be your concern. It's not so much that you're running away from hell, but that you should run toward God. This is actually expressed in the act of contrition, which is the prayer that one says after confession. One says, I'm, you, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry that I've sinned, and I'm, I'm sorry and I hate my sins, not just because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell, but because my sins offend you, whom I should love above all things. And, and so it, you can have imperfect contrition for your sins, which is just, man, I don't want to burn in hell, or man, I don't want to miss out on heaven. But perfect contrition is when you are sorry for your sins because they are sins and because sins offend God and because you love God and you don't want to offend God. Uh, so imperfect contrition can be an important step. The, the fear of hell is important. And Christ talks about hell, as you say, Christ talks about hell in, in the Gospels a lot. Hell, hell is a real thing. <laughs> and you should not want to go there. Uh, and you should allow that healthy fear to turn you toward the holy fear. So there is a kind of servile fear where you're just afraid of pain or you're afraid of being harmed. And then there is, there is holy fear or awe or wonder, wisdom, where you're just marveling before God. You're, you're, you're perceiving sublimity and, and you're, you're in awe of that and that cultivates humility and will, will uh, impel you to do the right thing and to serve God. That's good. And you should go to confession. That's, that's another very important thing to do. It's the laundromat for the soul. Next question. 
Hey Michael, this is Camille again, and yes, I have another dating question for you. I keep finding myself attracted to the wrong type of guy. I swear I'm not looking just at looks and I'm not looking at superficial things, but I do keep finding myself attracted to guys who seem nice and then end up being jerks. So I would love to hear your thoughts on how to find the better guys and be attracted to them and not force things though. Thanks, Michael. Great question, Camille. Uh, one that I'm sure many women struggle with, many such cases. The, the, the reason that you are attracted to these bad guys is because your desire and will are disordered. But it is not the case that your desire per se is wrong. This is, I think, a place where a lot of people go awry. They say, the fact that I have desire for these men is wrong in and of itself. No, no, the desire is good. Uh, the way that you advance in wisdom and sanctity in your whole life is going to be through your desire. It's not going to be by suppressing your desire. It's got to be through your desire, but your desire is aimed at the wrong place right now. So we, people have sexual desire. Often in this fallen world, especially if one is uneducated and one indulges in a lot of vice, then that sexual desire is going to express itself in the form of lust. So you're just going to desire hot chicks, or in your case, big, hunky, hot dudes. And you're going to focus just on that, on, that, on the sensation and, and not on the intelligible, right? You're going to focus on just what feels kind of good and not what that good feeling is meant to represent, not the, not the, the real intelligible goodness that is behind the phenomena. And so what you'll want to do is turn your desire, you recognize that your, let's say, physical attraction to some big, hunky jerk of a dude, that that is... And a, an intimation of, of a good desire for a good man. So lust, which is shallow and bad and will mess you up, is really a perversion of love, of true love, which wills the good of the other person and seeks the good generally. Gluttony is just a perversion and a disorder of a, of a perfectly healthy and good desire to sustain ourselves and to have food to, to allow us to keep going in this life. Pride, the queen of all vices, is just a, a it's sort of the, the original big problem. And it is a, a disorder and a perversion of self-confidence. And so you might be attracted to a guy who's very prideful, who's very cocky. Well, it's probably because you, you would have a natural and good desire for a man who is confident. And why would he be confident? Because he is in charge of himself. He's suppressed his base appetites. He is, he is in somewhat some command of his rational will. He's doing good things. He's flourishing. He can be confident. Cockiness is, is a, 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 a sad, shallow imitation of confidence. And so what, what you, I think what you need to do is when you feel that movement of your appetite, and, and that attraction toward a certain kind of a sensation. You should just recognize the rational and intelligible thing that that, uh, that desire is, ultimately should be drawing you toward, and, and, and then you will better be able to discern between some cocky jerk and some confident alpha chad giga totally virtuous guy. And then rationally choose the latter because it will fulfill the thing that your desire is ultimately for. It's just, but it's not quite aiming at right now because it's gone a little bit awry. Today is Fake Headline Friday. I need your help to figure out which one of these five headlines is the fake one. You have to do that over on the member block. We'll be taking more of your mailbag questions too, including some of the OG written mailbag questions. 
The show continues now. Not for you hoi polloi over on YouTube, but for the creme de la creme, the inner circle at dailywire.com slash Knowles. Use code Knowles at checkout. You get two months free on all annual plans. We will see you there.